It's interesting that when we get that instruction to check the attitude of the mind, there can be this habit of, you know, expecting the worst. So let's just take a little time and check the qualities that are present, qualities of the mind and heart. And just knowing the difference between ill will and kindness, tenderness. We're not judging. And one of the things that we'll notice when we do check the qualities of the mind, the attitude of the mind, is how fluid things are. Just being interested in how it is is already a wholesome quality of interest that's there as one of the qualities of the mind. And it's useful to get good at noticing the absence of a quality, the absence of ill will, the absence of wanting. It can help to expand our understanding of what wholesome qualities are by I don't know if you remember this, but Thich Nhat Hanh, the wonderful Vietnamese monk and Buddhist teacher who passed away a couple of months ago, would talk about noticing the non-toothaches, because we certainly notice the toothaches. So as we're just here sitting together, listening, and reflecting on the qualities of the mind and heart that are here now. This heart, this mind is empty of greed, perhaps. What's that experience? Dull or empty of dullness. Restless, empty of restlessness. Agitated, empty of agitation. I like how Carol always offers that blessing after her Dharma sharings where we dedicate the merit, the goodness. And now that we're right in the deep heart of our retreat together, it's probably a good time if you're not already just to appreciate and sense 
the good work, just being interested in the mind, interested in awareness. Just that contrast between our normal life, busy life, and how rare this, these moments of an authentic curiosity about how the mind is. What's the attitude now compared to how much more frequent and easy it is being here together, practicing together? I think of this practice we're doing as a kind of soft power. We don't want to, we really want to open our heart, mind to how powerful, transformative the practice can be. Saida says, a real desire to practice will only arise after you have recognized yourself what difference the practice of awareness makes in your life. And we're not trying to be optimistic and we're not getting seduced by any habits of being pessimistic. Instead, we're cultivating this contentedness, just being grounded or realistic, that it's like this now. And gaining this confidence that That experience can be workable, whatever the conditions are, the qualities. That there is this wisdom awareness that simply recognizes it as the next thing being known, being felt. Another thing I might have mentioned this earlier that Thich Nhat Hanh mentions is that our only real enemy is forgetfulness. And I'm sure you noticed, I certainly did today for moments, periods of time where uh, the mind just gets caught in its own little loops or bubble or vortex of drama. And it's forgetful that this is being known, that it's like this now. And it's really amazing how the dramas the mind constructs, how seductive they can be, how easily the mind gets identified and spins for a while. I had a really funny little incident on my flight over from Minnesota to Boston. And uh, I was in the Minneapolis airport, 
using the urinal and they had nice bathrooms. It's, it's kind of shocking how like much marble or, I mean, it looked like, I, I've, this has just sort of been an ongoing thing with me, just like a nice hotel, some of these airports. And uh, this one had like, each urinal had its own little stall and and as I, you know, with my luggage and I had my cell phone out, so I shoved it in my pocket and I was sitting there urinating and it was like the music was so good. <laughs> and I was looking around for the speaker. I, I couldn't see it. I thought, boy, they did such a nice job. And as I was finishing up and walking out, it occurred to me, it's like, because it was the same song playing, it's like, they're playing one of my favorite songs from my playlist. <laughs> And I was standing in line a couple minutes later. And, you know, I, I took, because you were all obsessed with their cell phones, I took my phone to do something. I realized when I shoved it in my pocket, I had <laughs> turned it on. But just that level of delusion. Because <laughs> clearly the mind had some sensitivity, it was hearing. But how it constructed some meaning to go. You know, and I, I had many thoughts. I mean, it was, my mind is curious. And I was like, you know, how much money did they spend on the sound system? <laughs> it's actually, I, I'm sure you've noticed, you know, just being in the, the Dharma scene, telling these kind of stories about delusion, it's like one of the real joys on the Dharma path. <laughs> Just how amazing it is that our mind, this capacity to create meaning and then to massage everything to fit it. We're more interested in the consistency of our delusion than seeing things as they are. And these little places where we, you know, that are funny, that are kind of astounding, you know, the kind of delusion that the mind can manufacture and even defend then. Then it it should make us wonder, you know, what else is being made up? And that kind of suspicion and curiosity is a really helpful, um, that's not an un- wholesome kind of doubt. That's a wholesome kind of doubt. It just Because it really lends itself to curiosity and humility and uh, wise investigation. Well, what is going on? Some of you know that um, Pali word, sankara, it's an important word and but one of the important aspects, it's one of the aggregates, one of the uh, aspects of the mind, there's perception and feeling tone and mental formation, sankara, and consciousness. But it's, it really is this uh, part of the mind that makes stuff up, puts stuff together. I think actually the technical definition is something like to put together that which has been put together in different 
practitioner scholars, you know, have translated as preparations, fabrications, constructions, mental formations. So those tendencies and intentions that are there, you know, builds, takes, you know, it's related to perception and the feeling tone. And it, it's that part of the mind that creates meaning and defines, tells the story. And ignorance is that part of the mind that grasps or clings, identifies. I think for me, that's been one of the most useful definitions of uh, ignorance or delusion is thinking that I know. And it's, you know, when we really work with that, then even as we're practicing during the day, wherever we think we know, and we get kind of curious. I forget who it was. It might have been Thich Nhat Hanh, but some teacher suggested that we tag on, maybe not so, <laughs> after every thought. <laughs> maybe not so, or who knows? Who knows? Or like we do, oh, just thinking being known. To not impute that more there than there. It's just a thought like Carol was talking about earlier today. It's just a thought. And it doesn't mean we can't have sublime thoughts or sublime conversations or a point of view. It just means not being forgetful about what it is. It's just a thought. And it's so useful, you know, because of course, being on retreat, we get really sensitive and thoughts will arise about the past, the future, home, what's going on here on retreat, finally getting what the practice is about, finally concluding I'm never going to get it. (laughs) You know, any kind of meaning that the mind might make up that part of the mind that makes up meaning. It's also a natural process. Sometimes we think it's out to get us, like you know, some evil force. But you know, that part of the mind that makes stuff up is neither out to get us, nor is it going to save us. It's just what it is. It's just a natural process. Can be quite useful, especially in terms of interacting with other human beings. We kind of meet around our shared meaning and shared stories, right? That's how we build relationships, at least in part. But in terms of our practice, there's something profound about how straightforward and simple it is. It really comes down to this Something is being known. This is being known. And the content of thoughts are less important in our practice than that it's the next thing in the forest. It's the next experience being known here and now. It comes and goes. And then when the meaning, the story, the dramas, 
the points of views when they bloom as they will. Because in a way, being on retreat and simplifying our lives like we're doing, the production studio gets better. It's quicker, right? Part of it's like the side effect of stabilizing present moment awareness. The, the power, the energy of the mind is stronger. So it can very quickly, with great production values, uh, create fantasies, meaning. One of the things I've been studying lately are these series of talks a Sri Lankan monk gave uh, many decades ago, but have been more recently transcribed by Venerable Analio, this German monk who <clears throat> stays often pretty close to here at the Berry Center for Buddhist Studies, wonderful teacher, scholar. And he transcribed these uh, lectures. And the Sri Lankan monk um, uses the simile of a theater troupe with props and makeup and costumes and all kinds of stagecraft, curtains or different ways to light it just right and to keep you from seeing the bigger picture, right? You know how easy it is to ruin a film or a theater production if somebody opens the outside door. It kind of ruins it, right? And it's almost like we're paying money to be deluded for a while, to kind of just put the the blinders on, just see this, just be in this world. And we get a little break from whatever other world we're constructing and living inside of. And so there's this uh, part of our practice that is a conscious or consciously, intentionally choosing what is more simple, grounded, straightforward. And we have to grieve. You, you know, I don't know if everyone uses or thinks of it in, that, in those terms, but we're really grieving our delusion, except when we're lost in it. <laughs> then we're feeding it, usually, and uh, strengthening that tendency in the mind. It's partly what makes the practice so challenging for us is that in a sense in every moment where there's this wise inclination to recognize it's this experience being known. It's like the heart wisdom is choosing. It's like a a shift in values, choosing to see things as they are versus the choice of letting the mind construct some meaning to get lost in for some time. And to be honest, you know, it's like a sign of being a good practitioner when we're honest about how often we make the choice to be lost in thought. It's not so much that we make the choice, but that choice is what's made because of the force of habit and the lack of trust in the practice and the lack of supports in that moment. And it inspires us like, 
oh, left to its own devices, left to its own tendencies, the mind's just going to keep making stuff up. And clearly some of the stuff we make up is more harmful, toxic. Some of the stuff the mind makes up is relatively wholesome in a sense. But it's still delusion in the sense that the mind doesn't realize, oh, it's just a thought, just a story being known. Doesn't see it for what it is. Doesn't mean it's bad, the meaning the mind constructs. It just means we're cultivating this wholesome desire. And eventually it has to be a very strong, ardent desire to want to see things as they are. And it's sort of wisdom knows, yeah, I, I could think about this, I could fantasize about this. But over time, and I'm sure some of you have begun to notice this, especially on retreat, we start to get disenchanted with a lot of the regular dramas that we inhabit, right? It's like not much juice left in that one. You know, been there, done that. How many times have I fantasized about, you know, the perfect cabin or the perfect relationship or even strangely becoming a really good Buddhist practitioner? (laughs) I mean, that's a dominant fantasy that people, at least that I have when I'm on retreat, it's like once and for all getting my Buddhist act together, you know, and becoming the kind of Buddhist practitioner I think I should be. That's one of those, like I mentioned earlier, one of the things that brings out this really wholesome sense of humor about how strange it all is. And it it can inspire the mind to really want to see clearly, really make the choice more often. Oh yeah, it's like this. It's just this experience being known. And Alexis and Carol and I, we've talked, you know, different ways about wise view, right attitude. But in a way that it, it gets operationalized as just that simple understanding, this is being known. And part of that understanding is realizing that that, under, that, that experience of this being known is in a sense complete. Because it's, it's really the, the deepening of insight has a lot to do with not discovering something, but realizing how simple it is, what's not there. That the experience that's being known, see the presumption is it's more than that but it's actually empty of anything else. It's just this being known. And that begins to dawn on the mind and it's liberating. So I had a says in different ways, I really like this, it's been a very helpful teaching, I might have already mentioned it, that wisdom never believes uh, 
wisdom always investigates. Wisdom isn't that part of the mind. It isn't looking for a landing place that I can, I got the truth. And I remember uh, in the retreats, I was able to sit with Saida. He would often say, uh, like he'd, he'd, he'd always say, you know, when somebody's reporting some insight, some deepening, he'd always make sure that they stayed interested, that they didn't somehow wrongly think, oh, this is it. Because the most important thing is that curiosity. I remember uh, when I was doing some of the three-month retreats here, and Sharon Salzberg was one of the three-month teachers, in one of her talks at least, she would bring up the torment of continuity. And it is a, I think it is a hump that we have to get over, like, to really fall in love with the practice more than some idea of where we're going. Like, there's just, I was reflecting on this today. We have a nice little walk between where we stay at the teacher village and the retreat center here. It's just, it's just a couple hundred meters, so not too far, but it's just a nice little walk through the woods. I've been using it just as a place to practice. And, um, yeah, and just finding that appropriate love, that devotion and desire, um, like really appreciating, like, oh, yeah, it's so simple. (laughs) Just to keep recognizing the awareness that's here. And in that way, you know, planting the next seed and the next seed. And to be really content just planting seeds, another moment of recognizing awareness, another moment of recognizing awareness, not to fret so much about those other moments, right? Because if we're really lost in thought, we're lost in thought. And when we realize we've been lost in thought, whatever is there, a little humiliation, a little wanting to quickly get back to it, that's just the next thing being known. And we're doing the, we're doing the right thing by recognizing it. So there's really no need, and we can just appreciate that aspect of not being able to break it. <laughs> you know, no matter how lost we've been in some drama, practice is just there waiting, you know, as soon as the drama fades, which it will, and mindfulness arises that recognizes, oh, it's like this now. And being here together, you know, that means we have 70 walking, talking, not talking, walking, moving, sitting symbols of the practice, like reminders. Wherever we look, we're likely to be seeing somebody. And that can just be a nice reminder. It's a nice way to relate to each other. You know, we don't just have the Buddha Rupa, the statue here in the hall. We have all these other retreatants just reminding us, oh yeah, this is being known. So I'll just end with one more little teaching from Sayada. Maybe
maybe from the Buddha and the Tsaira. This is the Buddha just talking about the deepening of insight. He describes it in this way, turning upright what had been overthrown, revealing what was hidden, showing the way to the one who's lost, who was lost, or holding up a lamp in the dark for those with eyes to see. And Saida said once, we don't complain about what's happening. Everything is experience. Whatever is happening is happening through cause and effect. They do their job. We do our job. What should we do? We just recognize what's happening. Everything is nature. So let's leave it here. And if you need to stretch a little, we'll just sit for about 15 minutes.
time now for some <clears throat> continued sitting or walking, and hopefully many of you would like to come back at 8.45. Remember, you could just sit as long as feels appropriate. We don't have an ending bell, so please join us if you'd like at 8.45. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.